0: What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back into another episode of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler, Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat, here with Antoine Staley. Antoine, how's it going, man?
1: Uh, Just another busy week for really both of us, I guess, especially you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're recording this uh, Thursday morning. I'm uh, getting ready to uh, fly to Indianapolis early Friday morning. I got a 6.30 in the morning flight because that's the latest I could find. So, but I'm not complaining. I'm happy to uh, to get to go cover Florida State in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. I uh, I mean they 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 are good on all fronts. There, they they're in the bubble. They they seem to be in the clear. I mean, I know once they kind of got out of quarantine and passed those two tests and got in the bubble, there's kind of a belief that that the bubble was going to be pretty preserving, and that once teams were in and fine, that they were going to stay fine. So, I mean. It seems like they're good on that front and they're just going to be Florida State in the uh, NCAA tournament this year.
1: Yeah, uh, just, I think we're all just fortunate to have some type of tournament this year, especially after what happened last year and just some of the hiccups that we went on throughout the course of the season. So uh, it's it's great that we got here. It's great that we're having some kind of tournament. and uh, I'm curious to see how it's all going to um, shake out, especially with everybody being in some kind of a little type of a bubble too as well.
0: Florida State, I would say it's safe to call it Another frustrating week they they're coming off of, especially I know for I mean the second straight Saturday they have a chance to uh, hang a banner to, to win a, a, a title of some sort. last week two weeks ago it was the ACC regular season championship. Last year they beat last week, sorry, they beat North Carolina and they're playing Georgia Tech as the higher seed as the home team in the ACC championship game up there in Greensboro. And they played a great game in a lot of ways. They defended well enough to win. They definitely shot well enough to win. And they turned the ball over 25 times and lost by five. And, I mean, it's it, frankly remarkable the game was even that close for how many times they turned it over. It kind of speaks to how well they did in just about every other area. But it's also frustrating, I'm sure, because it's it's been a trend for them lately. They're, in terms of turning the ball over, and they face some teams down the stretch that like to do that a lot, but they've done it, they've done it a lot down the stretch, and it's been a really negative, worrisome trend now entering the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, uh, you look at some of the losses that they had, uh, going back to the loss against North Carolina, really the second half, uh, that was an issue there. Uh, You talk about the game against Notre Dame, the last game of the regular season, I felt early on, uh, turnovers were a big issue, and that second half they got a little bit better in that area, but they were down by so much, it was such a big lead to try to overcome and they were not able to come come fully all the way back and uh they almost lost the game against North Carolina again in the uh ACC semifinals too as well um Carolina went cold down the stretch too and FSU was able to hold on but yeah I mean I don't care who you play I mean you turn the ball over that many times it's it's hard to beat anybody um in college basketball more or less a team that uh is good at Georgia Tech too and that was hitting on all cylinders so yeah I mean you know you're you, rather just go ahead and get the loss out of the way. Hopefully you can, you know, learn from it and grow, um, but yeah, from here on out, yeah, are definitely going to have to um, play a lot better than what they have uh, the last few weeks there because yeah, they definitely hadn't looked like the same team that everybody thought they were going to be uh, at least midway through the season, and uh, I, th- I still think they can be that team. I still think, still think that uh, they play well against uh, opponents that, um, that maybe people don't think they're supposed to be uh, the highly ranked opponents, but yeah, I guess some of those, especially a team like uh, you're coming into a game like a UNC Greensboro that's a team that's sound I mean, a team you should beat uh, pretty handily, but also a team that also gives you a little bit of trouble too, It also has similar sizes for the state too as well so you definitely have to limit the turnovers in that area and that capacity
0: I mean, you, you look at UNC Greensboro and, and they, they I think turn over opponents about 15 times a game, and given that's largely against socon competition but florida state you look at them when they don't turn the ball over they're an incredibly efficient offense and i think we both think they are still in theory capable of making a run i think uh i don't know i guess how much you agree but i think they have a pretty favorable draw i mean you look at i don't know i guess i was a little surprised to see florida state still after its re- somewhat recent struggles, was the highest four seed. To me, that says if they'd beaten Georgia Tech, they'd probably be a three seed. Because yeah. they still, I mean, even with the loss, were nearly a three seed. So, I, I mean, they're, they're a decent amount, last I checked at least, the heaviest favored four seed. I think the other, about three points more than the other ones. I, I mean, we've seen what they can do defensively in stretches. We've seen when they're not turning it over, I would say, when they're not turning it over, this is an elite offense, just with all they can do and how many different guys can do it. But it's about, I mean, piecing it all together on the day. And so much of that comes from the NCAA tournament. And can you do that when the lights are on, when the country, is, the world is watching?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, part of that, when you talk about their efficient offense, is their three-point shooting. Uh, they're among the best in college basketball in that area, too, as well. And you also hit it on the head, too. Like, they don't rely on one person to get scoring for them. They can rely on different people on every given night. It can be MJ Walker one night. It could be uh, Raquan Gray one night. uh, Bosa, Copa Risa end up having a really good ACC tournament. It could be somebody like him, Scotty Barnes, obviously. We know how talented he is as well. And then you also have quality guys on the bench like Malik Osborne uh, um, and others, too, as well. Uh, So, yeah, it's definitely one of those – teams where, yeah, I definitely think they're built for the NCAA tournament, but they're also like a team that, like I say, that hasn't really played well um, later, on, later on in the season two as well, but yeah, I definitely think um, they're team like, look at the draw, I mean, like, I like Michigan, I think they're a quality team, but I don't necessarily mean out of the number one seeds, I would probably say they're, the more, they're one of the more vulnerable ones uh, there as well, and you look at the rest of the reason, you got Alabama, you got Texas in there too as well, so yeah, I mean it wouldn't surprise me if Florida State were to get to the Final Four uh, it probably also wouldn't surprise me if they were to lose in the round of 32 either I mean, it's really no uh, in between there between those two things there as well I think um, Sweet 16 possibly Elite Eight is a good sweet spot for them there as well, and then you kind of just see what happens after that, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think this team is built to go forward just the way their roster is constructed and also what they've shown offensively throughout the course of the year.
0: Yeah, so much of it's about matchups. I mean, it's about getting to the Sweet 16, seeing if who you were supposed to play could get upset, seeing, I mean, just how you match up with those teams. I mean, you talked about Michigan. I think Michigan, probably even more than Florida State, has been trending in the wrong direction of late, and it definitely hurts them pretty significantly to lose a guy like, isaiah livers he does a lot for them and i mean they haven't said he's not playing in the tournament but when you say out indefinitely it doesn't kind of speak to a short absence you know like that to me like you might not have entirely ruled him out but it doesn't sound like nothing i've heard is that he's like close to coming back and could maybe play next week in a sweet 16 matchup i mean that's a game that that's a personal game for i'm trying to think i guess MJ Walker was on that team three years ago, the, the Elite Eight team. He might be the only guy who played in that Michigan game when they lost to Michigan in the Elite Eight with a chance to go to the Final Four, given he didn't play, I'm sure, a ton in that game as a true freshman. But, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a revenge spot. It's a, There's definitely someone in the fan base of, oh, come on, it's always Gonzaga or Michigan. I think of the – I agree with you. Of the ones – I think they're the most vulnerable. I think Gonzaga has been Gonzaga all year, and they're widely picked to win and, and be the first undefeated team in, what, almost 50 years for a reason. Illinois yeah. might be the hottest team right now. Yeah, that's the team I really think. And yeah. Baylor can shoot the lights out. I mean, Baylor Baylor has struggled some recently. They've dealt with some COVID pauses, not handled them especially well. I'm by no means saying I think Michigan is bad. I think Florida State is, is favored in that game or picking them to win that game. But it is definitely, of the four, the one seed that you want in your bracket and you i mean you got to win two games before you get there
1: yeah yeah definitely too as well so yeah it's definitely it's, uh, still it's no easy road there and even if you beat a michigan it's still no guarantee that you will even get to the final four too as well because you likely have to play either a good alabama team or a Texas team that's really seem like they're clicking on all cylinders right that right now at all time too so yeah i definitely think um Considering the fact that you got you're the highest four seed, um, I think you're in a good spot too as well compared to um, being in that lower three seed and um, not being in such a good spot too as well. But yeah, I definitely think, um, like I say, I, I I think this team could definitely go on a run there as well. I think it's going to be like, obviously the tournament is always so unpredictable uh, even in a normal year, and I think um, even this year I think it's going to be even even more crazy. This because I don't think we necessarily know how good some of these teams are because um, more teams to play these teams to play more games than others. So a team like Florida State has played close to twenty games, where another team has played close to thirty games. So uh, yeah, I don't. I think some teams are going to be more mature than others, and especially in a spot like this. And uh, it's gonna, definitely going to be interesting to see how um, these teams play in a tournament setting, especially in this bubble setting.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned the bubble. I think I mean that's something we've seen this week. I mean. I I know in talking to a couple of Florida State players how excited they are to be there, especially with last year and all that. But I've also seen some of the complaints about not from Florida State people, just in general, about the food, about how isolating it is. And you knew somewhat of what you're getting into, but that's I think it does play a role here of how do people handle that. I mean, how do the teams that win their first two games are staying there in their hotel rooms for the entire five day period between the first weekend and the second weekend, I mean, it's a uh, it, it, that it, that will I think play a role in the Sweet 16 of of guys' mental states. I mean, after spending those five days pretty isolated outside of maybe some some team activity stuff. So I think, I think you look at UNC, UNC Greensboro. There are some things you don't like about the draw. I mean, not a ton of uh, mid-major teams are going to be able to match Florida State's depth, but they really they play about eleven guys play about seven or eight minutes or more a game. So, I mean, they can really go blow for blow there. It's not a team that Florida State is going to have a probably stamina advantage over in the final time. So, that's – it's unfortunate in that regard. But I think the other side of it is they – and given a one-game sample size can make some weird things happen, they're not a great three-point shooting team. I mean, Florida State is one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country. I think borderline top ten and the best in the ACC – uh, I think they Florida State makes almost nearly 40%. I think in ACC play, they made over 40% of their threes. And UNC Greensboro hits about 30% of their threes. Obviously, yes, the one-game sample size, that can flip somewhat. But I think it seems like it's really going to take a heroic individual performance from their star point guard, the three-time SoCon Player of the Year, two-time defensive player, SoCon Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Isaiah Miller. I think is really they need a game from him to really lift them if that's what it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And it's um, they, they definitely team that uh, West Miller's done an absolute great job there. Former uh, North Carolina point guard uh, really built his team. Uh, they, they were in a bad way before he got there and uh, really turned them around pretty quickly, too, as well. And now they're contending in that uh, Southern Conference as well and now in the NCAA tournament, too, as well. But, yeah, I mean, we've seen crazy things happen um, in tournament settings, too. Is, uh, we both live long enough to see that. But, yeah, I definitely think uh, it's a game that really benefits uh, FSU, especially considering, yeah, they're a team that has struggled uh, with three point deep perimeter defense this year, and uh, Greensboro doesn't necessarily shoot the ball well there from three. So, yeah, I definitely think that's a huge benefit for FSU, especially uh, considering the way they play at the late.
0: Yeah, when you look at a guy like Miller, it's interesting where he—I mean—he puts up I think eight, eight, about eighteen points a game. He scores high volume. But he does almost all of it within the three point arc. I think he averages about eight two pointers a game. Is an extremely athletic player. Will be a challenge in that regard. But is not a perimeter threat that is going to stretch the FSU defense out. It seems like they'll be able to compact a little more. I think. I mean, you're gonna, you're not going to give them open looks, but you're not going to have to be out on the perimeter that much. he will be able to compact and make things hard. And I also wonder how. I mean, the guys guarding him: a Scotty Barnes, a Raquan Gray. Those guys are both 6'8", 6'9". Miller's foot. I feel like that's going to make things tough for him, especially if he's a guy who gets his drive in the lane, layups, things like that. I mean, the length affects everybody, but I think you really see Florida State's length affect these mid-major teams, both when they play them early in the season and if they draw one early in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, I think uh, typically what you see, I remember when they play a team like a Gardner-Webb, which had even smaller size than... Uh, UNC-Greensboro, what they did is try to bust a team like Florida State was behind the arc, And then they were a little successful early on in the game, and then eventually um, they couldn't hit shots late, and FSU ended up holding on for the victory. But yeah, I mean, I was curious to see what their game plan is going to be, especially considering they're not a good three-point shooting team. And then you have a team like a FSU that has taller guys on you. And really, you know, positionless basketball, really, that's kind of really the trend in the NBA. And that's kind of what Leonard Hamilton has done, too, with this team. Whereas you have a tall guy like a Scotty Barnes and a Raquan Gray, too, as well. And uh, and like I say, teams don't typically see that, especially in that conference, too, as well. So yeah, it would be interesting to see what, what kind of game plan they have for trying to, you know, contain and score points against FSU consistently uh, for 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a little of two years ago when Florida State faced uh, John ja Morant and Murray State in the second round of the tournament. Murray State, obviously, John ja Morant went off. They upset Marquette as they were, I think, the 12th seed, and Florida State was the four. And then, I mean, yeah, you just saw John ja Morant was not able to do all a lot of the same things he did against Marquette against Florida State and its length. And they still, I mean, it was not an especially competitive game. I mean, it was a pretty handy hand like handily one game for fsu but yeah i mean you just you see that and i i think that's why i mean i i we i can put you on the spot here i mean uh how how prone do you think fsu is to an upset obviously if they're turnover prone i think that is a major way especially live ball turnovers i mean that's how they're gonna um that's that's how they're gonna get theirs as it as it is but if that doesn't happen if they're not turning the ball over at a ridiculous nearly 40 percent rate like they did in that Georgia Tech game, I just I, I I don't see the upset. I don't see a blowout win, but I see Florida State comfortably eight to ten points, not sweating it out into the closing seconds.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I mean look, would it wouldn't surprise, totally surprise me? No, it wouldn't totally surprise me. But yeah, I think um, this is a matchup that favors them just because uh, I think the things that they do well. Um, I think it's a benefit. I mean, Greensboro, essentially, you uh, will. And, yeah, like I said, like, if it shoots weaknesses, uh, like like I talked about the perimeter defense and them having problems stopping the three-corner times Where you look at the Notre Dame game or, you know, go back to the UNC game and the semifinals, too, as well. Uh, I, Greensboro doesn't necessarily shoot the three very well. And, and like I said, they can take care of the basketball, which I think... I pretty much think they will. Um, at least, they, I mean, I don't see 25 turnovers definitely. That's just like an anomaly there. But, yeah, I definitely think they'll turn the ball – I mean, they'll take care of the basketball a lot better than what they did. They happened recently. As long as they do that and they able to get easy buckets too as well and play their game and uh, do well at the three-point line, I definitely think this is a game that they should they should definitely win by double digits.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure we'll uh, we'll podcast again – between the two games if they were to win the first game unless they lose the first game then we might have to do i guess a a season recap type thing that would be uh we'll see maybe instant reaction worthy on a saturday night they play what saturday at twelve forty five on uh true tv which i mean insert joke here about finding what channel true tv is and how you only have to do that for one month out of the year uh yeah, I didn't do
1: that myself. Actually.
0: <laughs> You're ready for all the uh, impractical jokers ad- ads, which actually I I have enjoyed that show in the past. That show makes me laugh pretty hard. It, I'm not gonna lie.
1: Yeah, I just I, I just go across it and then um, I, I I scroll down the channels and then I don't know necessarily what channel it is. So, but yeah, hey, this is definitely the one time of the year where you definitely find it, where you have to find it. You oh, know, there it is. Okay, all right, I'm gonna say it.
0: <laughs> There you go. There, yeah, it's uh the second round game would be Monday. I don't. They don't have a time yet. I know. I don't think they're necessarily stuck to the same time period of afternoon, because it's Saturday afternoon. I know. I'm sure Florida State fans are hoping that's not the case, because a lot of them are going to be at work Monday afternoon, and so I'm sure they'd want an evening game. Um, that would be against what? Either Colorado or Georgetown. I mean, Colorado is one of the tougher five seeds. Georgetown's a team that wouldn't be in the tournament if they hadn't gone on a ridiculous run and won the uh, NCAA tournament last week. I mean, you have to imagine you're pulling for Georgetown. I know people talk about the hot team this time of year, but if you're comparing those two, I mean, however much you care about momentum, how hot a team is, anything of that, if you're a Florida State fan, you want to see Georgetown in that game.
1: Yeah, you'd much prefer that than to see a uh, really gritty and – uh, much better, polished Colorado team, which is kind of on the same level as the FSU as well. Well, I, I think for FSU is a little bit better, but in terms of seeding, yeah, you would definitely rather see a Georgia, rather
0: see Georgetown than you'd rather see Colorado. For, definitely, for sure. We'll uh, we'll have plenty more on them as uh, the the season goes on, or the the tournament rather goes on. I'll have uh, plenty of stories from there. I've had them throughout the week. I have a couple more leading up to the game. And then obviously I have plenty of coverage from Indianapolis. So yeah, definitely follow us there on Tallahassee.com, nullsports.com. Um, we can talk a little football. I guess we have both uh watched a uh, a football practice now, and I know you're going to watch a second one this, this afternoon today.
1: Hopefully,
0: yeah. Yeah, weather permitting. I think it's right now I think we got bad weather here this or this late morning or morning, but I think it's supposed to pass and we're gonna get to watch. Obviously, we hope it's the case. And it seems like Mike Norvell wants it to be the case because he, I know, it seems like really pushed to to let us out there to watch. So, uh, I guess what what were your impressions? You were out at their second practice, then I was out at the the third, which was their first one in pads last Thursday. I guess what was your uh, what were your impressions of what you saw from the practice? Oh uh,
1: well, I thought um, you look at you talk. about, I'll start with the quarterbacks, and you know everybody wants to talk about Mackenzie Milton and. Um, him coming to the program there I, I definitely think he was still you know he's still trying to find his way find chemistry uh with his receivers i uh, still trying to learn the offense too as well I definitely think that uh stood out to me too as well um when I was out there George Travis had a pretty good day too as well um outside of that no, none of the other quarterbacks kind of stood out there too as well um I definitely think the defense is, uh started the really look good um, obviously they were not in pads when I was there they were kind of more in shorts and everything like that so uh, you take from what you want but I definitely thought uh, especially on 11-11 drills I thought the defense looked a lot looked pretty good uh, Jermaine Johnson kind of stood out to me as well uh, some of the other cornerbacks too as well uh, just in their coverage against some of the receivers too as well and um, Malik McLean, I definitely think look at him as a receiver a lot bigger than and I think a lot of people have thought, including myself. There, um, I know Mike Norvell talked has talked about the freshman receivers there too, as well. Talked about how well they're producing there in the program too, as well. Um, Cam McDonald, I definitely, think uh, he's somebody that I also took notice too, as well, when I was out there as well um, at the tight end position. So, yeah, I definitely think um, you definitely saw some encouraging signs too, as well. Um, even though it's still early in the spring too, as well, but. Yeah, I, I I like what I saw. Um, I imagine things are starting to get a little bit more clicking for the offense as time goes on. But yeah, definitely the defense um, stood out to me on the first on the second practice while I was there.
0: It was the same uh, very much for the third. Obviously, you're you're gonna get a little more of an idea of I mean the physicality in that in those practices and pads, obviously, and that was uh, definitely the uh, the case uh, Thursday out there where uh, it was a, a pretty chippy practice. I mean. They've talked about the family atmosphere and the brotherhood, and that remains the case. I don't think it's abnormal that, that it just – it was it was chippy. There was a lot of talking. There was – I mean, the defense definitely uh, won the day. I, I mean, you looked at uh, none of the quarterbacks when I was out there last Thursday had an especially impressive day, and that was mainly because in terms of during the 11-on stuff, they were pretty constantly under pressure. And I know that might be a bit discouraging for some looking at the uh, – offensive line and hoping the offensive line doesn't kind of take a step back or fail to kind of build on the promise it showed last season. But I think it was more about, I mean, with, with how much lack of a pass rush Florida State had last year, I think it was pretty encouraging. I mean, Jermaine Johnson, the Georgia transfer, I would say looks like the truth. He had a really, really strong day. I mean, Florida State created some pressure from the inside with guys like Fabian Lovett, guys like Josh Farmer, guys like Robert Cooper. Other pass rushers got some as well, guys like Quayshon Fuller, guys like Josh Griffiths. It it was a it was a very good day for the uh, for the defense. I agree with you on the quarterbacks. I would probably in the long run still have my money on Mackenzie Milton. I don't think that's changed in my opinion yet, but. Jordan Travis definitely looks the most comfortable just in terms of he has a year under his belt with the playbook in the offense. Mackenzie Milton's still going through th- some of that. What's encouraging about Mackenzie Milton is that all we've heard about how he looks physically seems to be true. It's nice to be able to see that for ourselves and not just take coaches' words for it as we kind of had to last season or whatever sources are telling us. But that can be touch and go, especially about stuff like that. So it was encouraging that he was most definitely moving well. There was nothing noticeable in terms of any any sort of restricted movement, or I mean, he's wearing a knee brace, and so that's that's probably affecting him somewhat. But he wasn't hobbling. There was no limp. He seemed to be moving well, and and was able to identify when to get out of the pocket and move and throw on the run some as well. The receivers, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The freshmen looked the part. Josh uh, Burrow, Josh Burrell, has also drawn a lot. I mean, both of the true freshmen who are on campus have have been were the practice I was out there. Two of the more consistent targets, Keyshawn Helton, seems to be moving well. He's obviously out of the knee brace now. He played with the knee brace last year, coming off the ACL. I think that's helped him, and I think you just often see with ACLs. That first year back, they're not – the second year back from the injury, they're closer to what they originally were than the first. So it just takes some time. It takes some time to get back to that level, especially the the guys who are really freakish athletes like Keyshawn. But, yeah, I mean, I think people want to see defensive improvement, and it's early still. And I'm sure the defense normally, I know, starts ahead and the offense kind of catches up as camp goes on. But it's definitely encouraging what I've seen from the defensive line, what I've seen from the DBs. I think those transfers and the new, the freshmen, have really brought some competition into that room, which will only help the DBs in a major way, just in terms of having a fight to keep their spots as the returning guys.
1: Yeah, any time, any kind of optimism or um, improvement from that defensive unit, uh, I definitely think would be a benefit too as well. I think just the fact that they're having a spring session and uh, able to get those reps, uh, unlike last year when they ended up having to shut down um, so early on in the spring because of the COVID, obviously. But yeah, I think yeah, just going through a full spring session too as well, uh, have being able to get out there um, some of these. Guy, some of the new guys learning the offense too even the guys that were there last year just getting those reps too as well something that they didn't you know you had a new coaching staff coming in you're trying to learn um the playbook and uh where to go and these coaches are also trying to learn what these players do as far as their strengths and weaknesses as well put them in the best position as well i think it would be benefit to everybody i just think last year when you know you don't have those reps especially going into the fall there you're kind of playing catch-up, and I definitely think you kind of saw that at times with this team uh, throughout the course of the year, at least now, um, with the guys that are coming back, and then you, got the, you added in some guys, whether it be, you know, from obviously recruiting, and they also the transport portal, yeah, I definitely think they're going to be in a better spot there than what they were a year ago, when I felt like they were just kind of behind the eight ball, just trying to figure out things, um, whether it be just player personnel and packages, or players trying to find out, like I say, you not know, the playbook and everything like that too as well so yeah, i definitely think it'll benefit everybody and i think they'll be better for it in the long run
0: yeah i mean it's it's a it's a blessing i mean we've we've praised them but it's a blessing to be able to be out there and see for ourselves and, and provide y'all practice observations practice reports type stories i i know how much y'all missed them and so it, it's it's great to be able to uh to provide those we'll have another one for you on the site what either thursday night or friday morning so hopefully by the time you're listening to this it'll be up or it'll be uh coming soon from antoine we thank you for uh listening and definitely i mean we're we're stretched a bit thin right now just in terms of i mean i'm i'm on a lot of basketball stuff and we've got to deal with baseball too but once i'd say bounce basketball ends whenever that is we'll, we'll definitely have a a more narrowed in scope on football leading up to the spring game and and coming off of the spring game as well over the summer. I mean, obviously football's important in there. We can, uh, we can talk a little baseball on the, uh, the back end here. I mean, I, uh, I was surprised to say the least by what happened. I guess what went down Tuesday night at Dick stadium. I mean, it was, uh, I was there for the last time Florida state had beaten Florida at, at Dick stadium and they, they did it Tuesday night, and they did it convincingly. I mean, they're up 7 nothing after two innings, and they coast from there to a pretty easy 10-2 win over the number five team in the country. I mean, they, they got a winning streak over the Gators now.
1: Yeah, and not only that, I think uh, more importantly, they're, they've they won three out of the last four games. They, won, they took two out of three from Virginia Tech and ended up beating Florida on Tuesday. And I think their offense is starting to find themselves too as well. Uh, you come in last week at this time, they were hitting 214. Uh, striking out the second most in the ACC coming into the week and all of a sudden they end up um, getting some big offensive productions, uh minus the, the shutout against Virginia Tech on Saturday. Uh, they end up getting some big production from their bats um, against the Hokies and then you get an explosion like that against a quality team like Florida. I definitely think that'll give them like a little bit more confidence, especially heading into a game against a really tough Miami team, especially on the road too as well. Once again, so yeah, it seems like they're starting to turn it around there. Um, I know Mike Martin uh, Junior. end up end up saying they just need wins at this point. Doesn't necessarily matter who who it is against, but you definitely know it has to feel sweet against uh, a team like Florida, especially heading into another rivalry game against the or Miami Hurricanes.
0: Yeah, you could tell how much it, it meant to the team. They the energy in the dugout was uh palpable. I mean, they jumped all over Florida starter, Garrett Milchin. I mean, Robbie Martin has uh not had the start to the season I think anyone expected him to have, but he's he's coming on now. He's had two two homers in that game. He's got three in his last two. He's up to seventeen RBI, I wanna say, ten in the last two games. I mean it's uh he's uh he's been on one. As you kind of expected him to be coming into the year, and I mean, yeah, it's had a great time with uh, with Miami coming. I think the thing you look at too, Florida State shouldn't have gotten swept by Pitt. It's undeniable. But Pitts also, I mean, it, it is it, what they did in Tallahassee that weekend is not a fluke. They they just went and took a series at Georgia Tech. They're ranked this week. I mean, that's a it, it seems like a full on good Pitt team that was is definitely going to be better than expected in the ACC. So well, they still, still shouldn't have got swept in that series. Uh, by by the week that sweep doesn't look nearly as bad as you thought it was.
1: Yeah, I definitely think um, it's starting to get better as it as the season goes on, especially that with Pitt being right too, and you know you end up you're on the road the last for the better part of the last two weeks too as well. So yeah, now you go to Coral Gables. Hopefully, you can you know I, I know um, Mike. Last time I asked Mike Martin Jr. this, he I know he said FSU not about getting two out of three, um, about sweeping, but I, I definitely think if you can get. Two out of three on the road against a good quality Miami team. I, I I'm pretty sure they would probably take it. Obviously, you wanna you wanna get the sweep there, especially uh, if you can. Heading back home there for the four games next weekend, but this week with the mid game there in between. But yeah, I definitely think you wanna um, see if you can you can get a series win. I guess a a quality top 10 opponent like Miami. And I think that will continue to give that team more confidence, especially considering I think their pitching is coming around and one of the best in the ACC, at least
0: currently right now. Oh, I think they are. I think they have the best pitching staff, especially starters in the ACC. I mean, what Parker Messick's done the last few weeks, what Bryce Hubbard's done in that newfound role, even what Connor Grady's done. I mean, I think there was a stat in this week's, and obviously Carson Montgomery taking a no-hitter into the – The fifth inning against Florida probably only helped, but I think they had the best staff ERA in the ACC by like a full point, like a full point better than Duke, which was in second place. I mean, yeah, he has said coming into the year that pitching was going to be the strength of this team, and that's proven to be the case, and it it got them some wins even while the offense wasn't quite churning yet, especially in that Virginia series, but it looks like the offense is turning a corner. They put up 14 runs. They put up 10 runs against Florida, and they put up, what, 14 in the uh, last game of the VT series? I mean, they are, it would seem, the offense is definitely turning the corner, and I mean, an offense like that, paired with a pitching staff like that, is definitely a dangerous proposition.
1: Yeah, and they're going to play a Miami team, whose offense is also coming around at the right time, too, and they're putting 15 on Florida Gulf Coast um, yesterday, so, yeah, they and are scoring about nine runs per game during their six-game winning streak, so, yeah, they um, it's gonna be an interesting matchup for both teams too. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, we're gonna see how good their pitching really is for the states. Talking about because uh, they're playing a really good Miami team. Their offense is also coming around at the right time too, as well. So yeah, I, I expect it to be a really, obviously a spirited series, and um, it's definitely gonna be fun to watch on both sides. Really uh, pitching and also offense on for both teams.
0: Definitely, and like you said, they come home next week. They got a midweeker. I forget who that one's against. And then they got three against uh, Wake Forest back in Tallahassee after after two series on the road. But, yeah, they win the series this at Miami, and that's no easy proposition. I'm not by any means saying I think that's going to happen because, I mean, that would be a huge thing to do that against the top five, even top, top five or top ten team, I guess, depending on what poll you use. I think they're number eight in the coaches poll that we use. But – I mean, they'd be right back at five hundred after starting zero and three after getting swept by Pitt in a series that you thought was, oh well, that was the weakest ACC team on their schedule. That's that's worrisome. They would have won three straight series if they did that, and they'd be at six and six, a third of the way through their ACC schedule. So that would be a it would be significant, no doubt. Because I mean, yes, he'd love to win three out of three, but if you win two out of three every time, you're in a great position. That's I mean, you'd be what if they're playing thirty six games? If you won two of it, that'd be twenty-four and twelve. You would you would take that in a heartbeat, especially with how solid top to bottom the ACC looks like it is this year.
1: No, no doubt. And then yeah, their game, the midweek game is on Wednesday against UCF. So
0: oh
1: that, yeah, yeah they got UCF and then they got uh, three against Wake Forest and then um, it was really a start of a seven game homestand really. And then they played North Carolina uh, for three games the weekend after that too as well. So.
0: Yeah, well, we'll uh, ooh that that that'll be a that'll be a fun time. I mean it's a it it's nice when it, it obviously it, it's tough to kind of commit fully to baseball immediately because it, the it, spring football normally happens pretty early in baseball season and basketball is winding down during early in baseball season but the the couple months where you can commit more time to baseball be it as a viewer as a fan be it as a media member are are fun and I mean it's a you feel a lot a lot a lot better. Uh, about this team now. I mean, after losing 11, Mike Martin J- Sr.'s 11, last 11 games to Florida, Mike Martin Jr.'s beating the Gators in each of his first two games. They'll play them again down in Gainesville in a couple weeks. Obviously, that'll be a motivated Florida team. But I, I thought for the longest time, and we'll see if this how true this holds to be, that once Florida State snapped that streak, when you're in a losing streak that long to a rival, you just almost, intentionally or not, subconsciously, you get in your head a little bit. And once you're able to snap that, I think you you often see teams go on kind of runs in the other direction once they're able to kind of get one and be like, oh look, we can beat them. It's not like inevitable, and you you see, I mean, the confidence grow and Florida State definitely looks the part of a confident team right now.
1: Yeah, uh, they definitely do. Um, I definitely think. Um, like I say, they they wasn't hitting the ball well. They were striking out. The confidence just wasn't there offensively, and you're definitely seeing that change within the last week too, as well. So yeah, everything flips around. Baseball is such a uh, fickle sport that you know it's times where you're gonna you're not gonna hit the ball very well too, and this happened to be for FSU. It was early on in the season, and now you know you still still have that quality started pitching, and now with your offense coming around. Uh, i think they're hitting uh 292 over the last week too as well which is a much vast improvement that big improvement than the 214 that they were hitting early on in the season uh even if you get offense like that uh with this pitching stuff i definitely think they'll they'll continue to turn it around in the right direction
0: no doubt no doubt i uh most definitely agree uh, we will have plenty of coverage of them uh, like i said we'll we'll have coverage from uh indianapolis on the ground this week we'll have plenty of football as well over the weekend it's a uh, it's a. I mean, I feel like I say this at the end of every podcast, but it's held true lately. It might not be true for doing podcasts over the summer, but it's a fun time to be a to cover Florida State to be a Florida State fan. Just with with all that's happening, obviously you can uh, follow our coverage on on Twitter. I'm at Kurt M. Weiler. Antoine, you're at Antoine Staley. Yes, I am. We're on the uh, Tallahassee.com, NullSports.com. We would greatly encourage you to be subscribers there. A lot of our, our great stuff is going to be uh subscriber only stories right now. And I think we're still running a, a pretty good deal. It's not the same deal we were, but I want to say it's like a $39 flash sale for the year that might have expired, but we, we run sales. There are normally great offers and, and we encourage you to uh, find the offer and seek it out because I, I think it's worth whatever the price is. I think the quality of work we put out is very much worth it. And read us there. We, uh, Appreciate you for, for listening and hope you'll continue to do so and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.